0: Here's a simple question to start this morning. What do you think the biggest selling song of all time is? Today ends the seven day biblical calendar, Feast of Tabernacles. The important part of Tabernacles is one third of the gospel. One third of what Jesus taught took place on this feast. It's also the time when Jesus was transfigured. In John 1, we're told the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That dwelt is tabernacled. The feast itself is a remembrance of leaving Egypt with Moses and then living in tents in the desert and God providing every need. And so today it's a recognition that God provides. It's on that same feast, we're told in John 7, Jesus stood up and said, if anyone thirst." Let him come to me and drink. He that believes in me, as Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Here's something else, and this is where we'll spend our time this morning, though. The Feast of Tabernacles is when the book of Ecclesiastes is read. The reason is the feast is a tremendous celebration of God's provision. And Ecclesiastes is a very deep study Of understanding, yes, we have tremendous joy, but there's also some hard questions that need answered in life. And so, for instance, Solomon, the wisest man ever, also the most powerful, the wealthiest, he lived his life at different points from faithfulness to God and apart from God. And much of Ecclesiastes is giving his response to what life is like apart from God. And so for people that say, you know what, I'd be happy if I just had more of X. Solomon's answer, are you sure about that? I had everything and more. And let me tell you what I found in all that stuff. For those who believe in their own wisdom, they have the answers for things like politics. Solomon would say, are you sure Let me talk to you about the best ideas that people keep bringing into life. So, Ecclesiastes, a great book, not pessimistic like a lot of people think. It's a hard look at difficult questions from a perspective of faith and also from a perspective of looking at life through just human effort. So, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we'll just look at a couple verses here. Verse 1 and 2, we're told this, the words of Solomon, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That term there, all is vanity, is a phrase he will use about 30 times in this book. It's not a negative phrase. Some translations have it as chasing the wind. It's a phrase that says, and we'll see the rest of the context, but it's a phrase that says, if you just try to get more, and it's all for selfish gain, you'll find it's like chasing the wind. You'll never have enough. Ruckman puts it like this very well. The melancholy refrain, all is vanity, is not Solomon's verdict on life in general, but only on the misguided human endeavor to treat the created world as an end in itself. Here's the second phrase Solomon uses over and over. What prophet had a man in all his labor under the sun? Under the sun is a statement he will use several times as well. We'll understand what that means here in just a moment. But it's clear he wants us to know from a perspective of just recognizing life in our best guess, or our best wisdom, in our own strength, it's vanity. And it's under the sun which makes it vanity. We'll see what that term means here in just a moment. Ultimately, Ecclesiastes is a book that should call us to pause. Pause and stop and think. Pay attention to other people, the things they may say, and say, let me see if that lines up with what Solomon says. Here's the wisest man ever. So people on our day have all sorts of opinions and beliefs, and we can stop and say, let me see how what they say aligns with the wisdom Solomon has. You might have people in your life that are trying to say, you know what, if I just get more, maybe you show them Ecclesiastes and say, here's a man who got more. See what he thinks about what happened when he got all that he wanted. He himself would say, if I wanted it, I took it. In fact, Solomon had 1,000 wives. Ultimately, that led to his downfall. Many of the people he married brought pagan religions and moved his heart from God for a period of time. So, think about the words here, and we'll understand what it means under the sun here in just a moment because what Solomon says is just as relevant here in 2018 as when he wrote these words about 3000 years ago. And so the story went something like this. Banks need to make loans to make money. So they made loans to corporations, but those companies started to make loans to each other. So the banks then decided we'll make loans to car companies. And then car companies started to say, we can make our own loans to customers. So the bank said, we will then get into the real estate business. First, they gave great loans to construction companies and the construction companies started to build like mad. Then to give loans to people wanting to buy a house, the banks found many people didn't qualify. So they lowered the standard to qualify for a mortgage and they gave loans to people that couldn't afford a house, but they weren't concerned about that. They had insurance to pay for foreclosures and they knew that the country and taxes would bail them out. How could they lose? So banks made bad loans, construction companies built too many houses and a perfect storm was created and the economy collapsed. Sound familiar? However, it's not the recession from about 10 years ago. That's the story that happened in the 1980s with the savings and loan crises. That's why Solomon would say Ecclesiastes one nine, there is nothing new under the sun. If somebody comes along and says, you know what, here's the new answer for happiness. You can say, you know what, there's nothing new under the sun. If you just get this new technology, you're going to have such a better life. Heard it all before. Nothing new under the sun. When somebody comes along and says, if we could just elect this person, everything would be different. Heard it all before. There's nothing new under the sun. What does it mean under the sun? We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's take a look at financial institutes. Citigroup recently was fined $425 million for manipulating interest rates. Wells Fargo was caught opening hundreds of thousands of credit cards without the permission of the customers. Financial institutes created a depression in the early 1800s. Hopefully things are different today, but back then, President Andrew Jackson said this, If the people understood the rank injustice of our money and banking system, there would be a revolution by morning. Nothing new under the sun. Bertrand Russell, early 1900 said this, just because 50 million people say a foolish thing, it is still a foolish thing. Again, no matter how many people come along and say, you know what, here's the new thing, the new answer, Solomon says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Here are three headlines. Eighty percent of Americans don't trust the government. Second one, war bequeaths a distrust of government. Third one, the party's over. First article, 80% of Americans don't trust the government. Ten years ago. Second one, war bequeaths distrust of government. That's from the eighties. Third article, the party's over. It's from 1972 somebody says, here's something new, you can be sure it's been done again. Under the sun. What does it mean, again, that term? Before we get to that, here's some quotes by some millionaires that came long after Solomon. Doesn't matter if 50 million people say, you know what will make you happy? More stuff. Doesn't mean it's not still a foolish thing. W.H. Vanderbilt, a businessman, early 1900s. The care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. There's no pleasure in it. Rockefeller, wealthiest American in history. I have many millions, but they brought me no happiness. John Astor, real estate builder. I am the most miserable man on earth. There's nothing new under the sun. That terminology could also be translated of the earth or in earthly things. Jesus said we have joy, unspeakable, full of glory. And Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. Well, where is that life that Jesus talks about? It's above the sun. Only focusing on this world, only focusing on the material, will provide no happiness to anyone. When we start to live our life from the perspective of above the sun, that's where the peace that surpasses understanding comes into life. When we start to say, let me take the perspective of eternity and recognize what I do matters in this life as well as in the next, then we start to understand the scriptural promises. Romans 14, it is written, each of us will give an account of himself to God. When we stop and say, you know what, what I do under the sun, if I do it in honor to God, then it's not vanity because it is either building for me a reward or a loss when I see him face to face. You see, you can work for a paycheck under the sun, that's vanity, or you can work for a paycheck. Above the sun, and see that you can do things financially to speak life where other people are hurting. As Toy Adamola said, every dollar God gives you has a divine assignment attached to it. Here's life under the sun. A few years ago, a family asked me to take their elder father, grandfather to the Cleveland Clinic. They lived South of Columbus, we're not comfortable with Cleveland. So I said, sure. I took this man to the hospital, got him checked in, spent quite a bit of time helping him fill out paperwork. I didn't know this man. Suddenly he started to cry. I asked if I could help. And he was facing a surgery. And he said, you know, the surgery has made me think. I haven't been very kind to my children. I don't tell them I love them. I said, here's the great thing. When you recover from this, now that you know what needs to be done, you can do that. He went through the surgery, recovered, moved back home, lived his life a few more years, didn't see him again. One day he passed away. We went to the funeral and there his children, grown adults said, you know, our dad did an okay job, but I can tell you, he never said, I love you. And I was able to tell them, you know, at the hospital, he did speak highly of you. I want you to know that. He said his love for you was sincere. But as I left the funeral, I thought, here's this man. He had a chance to do the right thing when he got better. He chose not to. That's the living life under the sun. That's the vanity. That's where chasing the wind will never satisfy. When you move your life to a different perspective and say, let me live above the sun with different standards and a different perspective and a different commitment. Interesting studies about history. Texas Tech Tech University asked people two questions. Who won the Civil War and who did we gain independence from? They found about half the people couldn't answer that. American poll said this, 38% of people did not know the national anthem is a star spangled banner. Interesting though is this, before the test, 89% said they could pass it with confidence. However, 83% failed the test. We don't understand history like we need to. And there's the beautiful quote, of course, by George Hegel that said, the only thing men learn from history is that men never learn from history. We want to be people, though, to say, let me not just know history as fact, but learn from it. And when people say, you know what, if we could just do this thing, it'd fix all our problems, we can stop and say, you know what, I believe that's been done before. There's nothing new under the sun. We need to be back to the truth of the gospel and living from that perspective above the sun and stop chasing the wind, the vanity of vanities. Ecclesiastes 111. There's no remembrance of former things. So, what song? Is the biggest best-selling song of all time. The single is "Bing Crosby, White Christmas." Imagine this: 150 million sales. The closest song doesn't come with any hundred million of that. Most songs sell a few thousand. Some a few hundred thousand, you'll have very few reach the million or two million. This song, 150 million. Many people would probably think, maybe it's the Beatles. Or others will think, you know, it's the popular singer of my day. And again, the point is, we don't learn from history. There is no remembrance of former things. You know what will be remembered? Are the lives that you and I reach by showing the love of Christ and showing people how to live above the sun and not chasing vanity of vanity. Fascinating fact in history, 586 B.C., Solomon's temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. In 70 A.D., the second temple destroyed by the Romans. Interestingly enough, both temples fell on the exact same day of the year. Not a coincidence, it's providence. God trying to get our attention so we would see history revealing his hand, but there's no remembrance of former things. Harry Louder was a comedian in World War I, similar to Bob Hope in America. In World War I, his son died. He responded with this. In a time like this, you have three courses. Give up in despair, drown your sorrow in drink, or turn to God. Harry Louder told a crowd, I did the latter. I took Calvary Road and found peace in Christ. Which brings us to Ecclesiastes 3.11, the beautiful promise. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart if we but pay attention and learn from the past and live above the sun. I love this from Dorian Andri, a Japanese term he learned living overseas, mon nai, It simply means no problem, I'll figure it out. And he repeats this over and over daily because he believes his life is guided by faith by a higher power. And so for us as well, as he talks about, when things don't make sense, moan die nai I'll figure it out. God is with me. When stress appears in life, moan die nai I'll figure it out. God is with me. When an emergency comes up at your job, moan dai I'll figure it out. There's nothing new under the sun. We've got all the answers in Christ who is the life. And then we close with this, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. All has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. I hope you see why Ecclesiastes is a beautiful book filled with answers by the dozens. It's not a book of pessimism. It's a book of a man who said, let me tell you, if you think the answers are in your own selfishness own best efforts, own wants and needs. I've had everything. And apart from God, it's chasing the wind. And if you only live under the sun, earthly things on your mind, you'll never find happiness. But he said, here's the secret. Love God, keep his commandments. And when you do that, you won't be chasing the wind. You'll be leaving a legacy and rewards in heaven. This is Marguerite Baranquist from Burundi, East Africa. Several years back, when the Tutsi and Hutu tribes had their conflict and countless lives were lost, one man took three of her aunts, killed them in front of her eyes. How did Marguerite respond? As a believer in Christ, keeping the commandments of God understanding eternity in the heart when the war was over, Marguerite opened an orphanage for children from both the Tutsi and Hutu tribes. She forgave the man who killed her aunt, went to prison to visit him. I love her quote. She says this today. Love is my vocation. Only vanity if we live life under the sun. If we live life above the sun, every moment takes on meaning. Every moment's a chance to celebrate the life we have, living water flowing out of us to be a blessing in other people's lives because the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us.